0: Well, hello there. In today's episode, I am going to answer the question, how much car can I afford? I'm going to give you three things to consider to help you make your decision a little bit easier, and then I'm going to offer you a free resource that will help you navigate the numbers behind purchasing a car. Stick around because we're going to cover the ways to help you ignite financial freedom. Welcome to the Igniting Financial Freedom Podcast, where I give you perspective as if I'm in your shoes so that you can remove the worry of money and create the life you want for you and your family. I'm your host, Clark Bradley. I've helped countless others reach their goals. Are you ready to join me as you pursue financial freedom? Welcome, welcome to episode 18 of the Igniting Financial Freedom Podcast. Today I'm going to address the question, how much car can I afford? Now, Three things to consider before you decide. And just as a side note here, I am running through these three scenarios under the assumption that you have already listened to episode 18, excuse me, episode 17, which covers should you buy used, buy new, or lease. And I'm going to spoil the surprise, but buying used is the way I would recommend you go for purchasing a new vehicle, or a vehicle that is new to you. So with that assumption, let's move forward. Three things to consider before you decide to buy your new used car. Number one would be how much monthly payments could you afford? Now, in my own personal experience and in my research recently, I found that ideally, your all-in cost should be 15%, percent five percent of your net income for all of your out of pocket costs associated with your car. So throughout this example I'm going to use a $50,000 annual income that would be before tax, right? Your gross or before tax income 50,000. And let's say that's about 4,000 net. I'm I'm roughly estimating. Well, let's just use 4,000 net income, okay? Which is after taxes, right? Which is what you actually see. So let's pretend it's 2,000 twice a month that you get paid. So 15% of that, of course, is $600. Now, what you want to also consider, there's four other scenarios, or excuse me, four other categories, four other categories that you need to factor in when you're counting this 15% of net income for your total out of pocket. You can't go and get a car with a $600 payment Because you've got to factor in four different pieces to that 15%. The first being your car insurance. The average car insurance is about $100 a month. That's the national average. If you live in Michigan like I do, it's probably higher. But one of the advantages to buying a used vehicle is that your insurance costs will be less than a brand new car. Gas prices are unfortunately going up, but that average should be somewhere around the $150 mark. Depending on how much you drive and uh, miles per gallon of the vehicle you are driving, but but that's an average. So we'll use one hundred and fifty. You could you could probably add or subtract twenty five to fifty dollars to that number. Your registration, which the national average is about one hundred and forty five dollars a year, so we'll call it twelve dollars a month. Not a huge consideration, but something to think about. And then maintenance. This could vary. But the average, again, from a national standpoint on a used vehicle is about $100 a month. Could be higher. Probably won't be lower. But on a four or five-year-old vehicle, which is where I recommend you purchase, it's very likely going to be $100 a month, maybe a little bit more. So all in, that's $362 a month. And we haven't even gotten to your monthly payment. So keeping with the 15% net monthly income rule, again, we're basing that off of a $4,000 monthly net, again, after tax, $4,000 monthly net income, your monthly payment, which means the amount you finance or you pay out to a car lender, that's your principal and your interest payment should be $238 or less. Now that might come as a shock to some of you. Some of you are probably used to having three, four, five hundred dollar car payments. And I would suspect that you are because the average used car payment per month is $372. And the average new car payment is $523. Now, here is the fork in the road, people. The biggest differentiator for building wealth. And the fork in the road that you are now faced with is what do you do with your money, with your payment, with your cash flow every single month? Are you prioritizing looking good on the street and impressing people that you don't know? Driving the latest, newest, sexiest model of whatever car you probably can't afford and having that $372, 450 550 a month payment? or do you consider keeping that 238 or less monthly payment following parameters here and following guidelines and then you could even take that $150 difference roughly right 238 from 372 which is the average used monthly car payment take that 150 or so dollar difference and add it to your car loan and then instead of a 4 year car loan taking 4 years to be paid off Maybe it takes you three years or even less because that's $1,800 a year. You're adding to the balance or adding to the, the pay down. Or you take that $150 difference and you open a savings account and start socking away money. So you're simultaneously building your savings balance, your emergency fund, your rainy day fund. Or let's say you have some debt already paid off. You got some of your bad debt paid off. You've got an emergency fund already set aside. Now you take that $150 and you start putting it away for the long term. You start investing. So now instead of wrapping up 372 or 400 or 450 or $500 in a monthly payment on a on a car, now you're taking the $150 a month and you're averaging 8%, 7%, 9% over the long term. That is how you build wealth. It's not by buying a brand new vehicle. It's not by leasing a brand new vehicle with a payment that you can just barely afford because the guy in the dealership told you you could afford it. By the way, don't listen to them on what you can or cannot afford. It doesn't really matter to me where that $150 goes as long as it's considered, as long as it's going towards paying yourself. Whether it's paying down the car loan, if that makes you feel better, whether it's building your emergency fund, if that makes you feel better, or whether it's building your wealth long term in a brokerage account or in a Roth IRA or adding a contribution, upping your contributions in your 401k at work. Any one of those would be amazing choices and then fast forward three or four years once you're $238 payment is gone you take that and you add it to the $150 so now you've got $300 and we'll call it $375 going into your emergency fund every single month or going into your debt pay down of some other debt that you want to chunk away at or building your long term savings in your 401k and maybe you open a Roth IRA and you've got $375 paying yourself every single month instead of Toyota Financial, or whatever they're called. All right, so that's the first thing. How much monthly payment can you afford? Again, all all in, everything included, 15% of your net after-tax income. Number two, how much total car should you purchase? There are some varying opinions on this. I've seen numbers as low as 10% of your annual income, and some as high as... 50% 50% of your annual income. So again, using a $50,000 a year income, that would mean that you could purchase anywhere from a $5,000 car to a $25,000 car. So I roughly split the difference, thinking that that was a good place to start. So what that means is that if you make $50,000 a year, again, this is pre-tax, this is this is gross, you know, your salary, so to speak, income. You buy a used $15,000 Ideally, four or five year old car. Keeping in mind that it, you can't walk in and look for a car that's worth fifteen grand because there's going to be some some costs associated with it. So you're probably looking more realistically at a fourteen thousand or a thirteen five hundred thirteen thousand five hundred dollar car, and then you settle at fifteen k because you've got registration, you've got maybe destination fees or documentation fees, and of course sales tax, which can vary depending on what state you're in. That way you are financing a car that is appropriate for the place in life and the lane that you are currently in. If you're buying a car that is a $50,000 car and you make $50,000 a year, I'm here to tell you that that is a poor choice. If you buy a or borrow to buy a car that is 50%, 60%, 70% of your annual income, you won't be able to do a whole lot by way of building wealth or paying off debt or making any headway in your dreams and goals and personal finance and wealth building and financial freedom because five, six, seven, eight hundred $800 a month is going to this car. It will be strangling you. So, The tricky part though is if it's a new car and you bought it and now you own it for a year and you borrowed a whole bunch of money to get it and you've got a five, six, seven year loan on it, you may not be able to sell it for more than what you owe on it and you might be in a bad spot. So you could bring some cash to the table to get out from underneath that and alleviate yourself from that five, six, dollars payment. You could hopefully potentially refinance that car loan to a lower interest rate and maybe a lower monthly payment since you've hopefully paid it down over the last year or two. Or you avoid that altogether and don't get into that mess with keeping in the strategy of 30% of annual income, more or less, for a car purchase. I know you want to buy the new version of whatever car you want i'm sure you want to probably buy a tesla and and it'd be nice or you want the new pickup truck or whatever but while you are in the mode of debt cleanup and building your savings and wealth accumulation the electric car can wait the new pickup truck with the power lift gate and all the bells and whistles can wait I'm not saying you can never buy and drive a nice car, but you can't buy and drive a nice car right now. You can buy a nice car in the future when you've got the income and the wealth to support it, but for right now, 30% of your annual income for a used, ideally four to five-year-old car. So Again, in this example, $50,000 annual income, you're buying a used $15,000 vehicle actually you're buying a $13,500 vehicle and after the dust settles you'll be all in for about 15k. Okay, number 3. What financing terms if any should you consider? Now in a perfect world, the best case scenario is you walk into the dealer, you've saved $15,000 and you're buying this car for cash. I know that's weird. I know that's kind of unheard of in today's society, but it's the best case scenario because that three, four, five hundred dollar payment that you would have otherwise been putting out every single month can now continue to pay you and build wealth for you and your family. However, if you're in a position that you need a car, let's say your car has just broken down or you are in a pinch and you need to borrow in order to buy a replacement vehicle, then you are looking for financing that is not extended beyond four years ideally three years if you can keep it within the terms of some of the parameters I outlined above a few minutes ago you should not take out a loan for five six seven eight years because why 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 would you want to do that why would you not want to do that I'll tell you why so let's say you buy a four-year- old car And you finance it with a seven-year loan. Now, fast forward seven years from now. You finally paid this car off. Or let's say in the last two years. Are you going to be joyful and thankful that you're making payments on a 9, 10, 11-year-old, at that point, probably a beater of a car? No. You're probably done with it. You're probably sick of it. And also, in that 8, 9, 10, 11-year time frame, not only are you going to have monthly payments, but you will very likely have a higher maintenance budget on an old vehicle like that. So now you're getting beat up on both ends because you've financed a car for seven years in order to keep your monthly payment low, which probably tells me that you bought too much of a vehicle because you had to keep the monthly payment low in order to keep it within your range of your cash flow. So then you now have maintenance on top of your ch- however many hundreds of dollars of payments, monthly payments every single month. The other thing to consider is if you buy, so if you finance for that many years, you make very little to no money on the sale of the car because the amount you financed and the, the the length of time that you've paid it and are paying it back. Prohibits you from making any profit on the sale. So you buy a four-year-old car, and very likely, let's say, uh, let's say you sell it in year eight. So you still have three years worth of a car loan on it. You might make some money on it. You know, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I, it'd be it's a lot tougher to make a profit on that when you still have a car loan on there. Something also to consider: rates are higher on longer terms. For car loans, just like a mortgage, right? You take out a 15-year loan versus a 30-year loan. The 15-year loan is cheaper because it's less risk to the lender. Take out a three-year loan, rates are lower as opposed to a five, six, or seven-year loan. And again, I will reiterate this. The way that you're going to differentiate and build wealth is by keeping the term low three, four years, and then pretending that you still have that monthly payment once that three or four-year time frame is up But now instead of paying the auto loan company, you're paying yourself with that $300, $400 monthly payment, whatever it was, hopefully less. But it all depends on your income. You also want to consider when you're going into financing, considering your credit score. If your credit has taken a hit for any number of reasons, look into some type of credit repair. If it's Credit Karma, they're a pretty good resource they can help you repair some some credit issues and also clean up any discrepancies if there are any now for the financing terms you need to consider or should consider the goal should be to put 20% down at least towards the ve- the vehicle the value of the vehicle so in the case of the $15,000 car ideally you're putting down 3 grand let's say you have an old car that you can trade in that can count towards that so you have a $1000 old beater or maybe you just have a $3000 car you can trade it in and boom you've financed roughly 12000 your trade in is 3 and it's a $15000 vehicle and then that actually brings your monthly payment down even a little bit further because you've only financed 12 instead of 15 ideally So that 20% is a is a recommendation. So that's a combination of either money you put down and the trade-in value of the previous vehicle, if you have one to put towards that. So recap. Total monthly outflow, including everything. Your monthly payment, which is the principal and interest on the loan. Gas to fill the car up. Registration annually. Maintenance, which could be tires brakes regular maintenance oil changes stuff like that that's not counting that's not counting any accidents or extra type things that are outside of the normal wear and tear of the vehicle accidents is different you you, you have a deductible for that and you have emergency fund for that but the maintenance you can also set up a $100 sinking fund I'll go over that in a different episode. But your $100 should be car maintenance into a sinking fund because you're not going to spend $100 literally every month on the car. It's going to be $100 put into the savings account month after month after month. And then once a year, you have car brakes or car tires or oil changes every few months. But you have maybe intermittent repairs and maintenance that are needed on the vehicle, but you don't spend it every single month. So you have a separate savings account and you call it your sinking fund and your hundred dollars is deposited every month into that sinking fund. And you build that balance up over time so that you have a, a pot to pull from when you need that cash to cover your car maintenance. Okay, so again, total monthly, your payment, your gas, your registration, your maintenance, your insurance. All in out the door fifteen percent or less of your monthly take home pay. Again, for this example, we use fifty thousand. Let's say you make fifty thousand annually, that's your salary, right? Or your your gross income. Let's say that means you make about $4,000 net. Again, that was a $600 of that should be your all-in cost monthly. Bullet two was our to- total purchase price should be 30% or less of your annual gross income, which just brings us to about a $15,000 car. In our financing terms, bullet three, ideally four years or less on a used vehicle, while putting twenty percent down towards the car, so that might be a little bit to digest all at once. But that's just some parameters to consider when you're looking at a new to you used vehicle. Again, four to five years old. I just looked because we have a minivan. I just looked at uh, the Ford Expedition, which may be our next car after the minivan once once my little guy is. A little more mobile getting out of the car by himself. Brand new Expedition is anywhere from 50 to 60,000, 65,000, 68,000 for the super nice ones. And I was able to find a four year old Expedition, so a 17, with a decent amount of miles on it, like 80,000 miles, which is fine. I don't mind that, 90,000 miles for thirty thousand dollars so literally half depending on the model and depending on a, a couple of parameters so why would I walk into a dealership and pay twice as much as I could for a four-year newer model granted it didn't have a previous owner but that's fine I'm not going to waste 30 grand over a four-year period so that I can drive a new car and so I can keep my monthly payment in an affordable range and take the difference of the, the total monthly payment because the monthly payment on that buying new is probably seven $800 as opposed to $400 for a $30,000 four-year-old expedition. So I could take the $300, $400 difference and put it in a savings account or build my retirement savings it's a possibility, right? That way I'm paying myself first or take $300 and put it towards the car loan so that my four-year loan becomes a three-year, two-and-a-half-year car loan. Some things to think about. If you want to walk through that scenario, if you're looking at buying a car, leasing a car, buying a new car, and you're not sure where to go with all this, go to my website, ignitingfinancialfreedom.com slash coaching. There's a tab on the right when you hit the home screen. Go to the coaching page on the left tab. There is a slot for a 30-minute strategy session that is complimentary. When I sit down with you, we do it via Zoom. We can walk through scenarios like this. doesn't even have to be talking about how much car you can afford. If you have questions regarding debt payoff or buying a house or building your retirement savings or just making all of this work, managing your monthly cash flow and figuring out how to how to make ends meet, we can walk through all that ignitingfinancialfreedom.com slash coaching. So a quick win for today is an amazing resource that I've used over the years. It's called Nerd Wallet. You might have seen some commercials from them. They are a wealth of knowledge when it comes to everything from insurance and budgeting and credit cards and mortgages and lending loans and personal loans and All kinds of stuff. How to improve your credit score. Best credit cards for travel. They have a bunch of different calculators. And one of the calculators I was using today was the car affordability calculator. I'll put this link in my show notes. But that way you kind of back into it, right? You punch in your ideal payment, which again should be 15% net. So the way you calculate that is you take your total net income times 15% and then you subtract about $360 a month, plus or minus a little bit, depending on a number of things. But that 360, again, is your maintenance at about 100 a month, your gas at about 150 a month, your insurance at about 100 a month, and then your re- registration about $12, let us say 15 bucks a month. So 15% of your total net income monthly minus 360, give or take, should be what your monthly payment is. So you punch that ideal payment in, and then it basically walks through and tells you how much car you can afford. Another link I will include, also from Wallet, is the total cost of owning your car, which is where I got some of the numbers related to the average cost of insurance, the average cost of maintenance, the average cost of gasoline, and so on, so that it's not just, oh, I can afford this monthly payment, and then it's like, whoa, now my payment is doubled my my total out of pocket cost for my car doubled because I didn't factor in how much my registration and my maintenance and my insurance were going to be I didn't think about that but the guy at the dealership said I could afford it so use those as a resource so that you're not persuaded by the dealer who is incentivized to sell you a car rather you can do your research ahead of time and know how much car you can afford They will make the monthly payment, whatever it needs to be, so that you will buy it because they want it to fit into your budget. And they will tend to do that by either extending the term on the vehicle, right? So if your monthly payment's too high because you wanted to keep it with a three-year loan, say, oh, it's all right. This car's a little more than I can afford, but you know what? It makes sense at a five-year loan. So let's do that instead. Mm. say no thanks mr car salesman it's not in my best interest some things to think about so on that cost of owning your car again you pu- you punch in your monthly payment but then it, it considers the other costs associated with owning that particular vehicle so that is all I have for you today stay tuned for additional episodes where I take on your biggest questions related to money if you'd like to have a question answered here live on the podcast go to ignitingfinancialfreedom.com slash podcast and submit your question on the form on the top of the page. That is all from me. Catch you next time. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the Igniting Financial Freedom podcast. Be sure to subscribe to see future episodes. Go ahead, give it a rating and review so I can help more people ignite their financial freedom. And I wish you good fortune. I'll see you next time.